Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me tell you this story real quick of the preacher who was dying. And he sent a message for his banker and his lawyer, both church members, to come to his house. And when they arrived, they were ushered up to his bedroom. And as they entered the room, the preacher held out his hand and he motioned for them to come sit on either side of the bed. Well, the preacher grasped their hand and sighed contently and smiled and stared at the ceiling. And for a time, nobody said anything. Both the banker and the lawyer were touched and flattered that the preacher would even ask them to be with him during his final hours. Well, they were also also puzzled that the preacher had never even given any indication that he particularly liked either of them. So they remember his many long, uncomfortable sermons about greed and covetousness that made them squirm in their seats. And finally, the banker said, preacher, why'd you ask us to come? And the old preacher mustered up his strength. And then he said weakly, Jesus died between two thieves. And that's how I want to (laughs) go. Amen. (laughs) Copies copies available after service. Luke chapter 23, verse 39 and 40. (laughs) Luke 23, 39 and 40. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Don't you even fear God? seeing you're under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today, somebody say to me, say it with me, today you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus is hanging between two thieves, one on either side, and Jesus is in the center. The interesting thing for me to see, and perhaps for you as well, Jesus is hanging there with outstretched arms between life and death, between heaven and earth, and then he hears these kind words, not from his mother, not from his friends, not from his disciples, not even from John, whom he loves, but from a thief who says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, this story, honestly, I have to tell you, in all of my years of preaching, this story has fascinated me um, to no end because here we have Jesus hanging between two thieves and these thieves are in the same situation. They have the same circumstance. Two criminals, both started the morning condemned to death by crucifixion. Both are hanging equal distance from eternity. 
Both were nailed to the cross. Both of them started out mocking Jesus. Both are on either side of Jesus, having the same experience with Jesus. And it's interesting because both are under the same circumstances. And yet we have two different responses. One thief says, save yourself and get us down. And the other thief says, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you remember us? Would you remember me? Same circumstance, same condemnation, two different responses. Somebody once said the same sun, S-U-N, that softens the wax, hardens the clay. In other words, the Holy Spirit or Jesus, are y'all listening to me? The Holy Spirit or Jesus or the word of God has a different effect upon our hearts depending on how we respond to it. I see it every single Sunday in this same room. I see it even right now. We all are in, the, in, this, in this room hearing the same message. We're all in this room just had the same worship experience. We all sang the same song. We had the same worship experience. One person, you, you hear the message. One person will leave today and say, wow, that was the most powerful sermon. Pastor Rodney preached that sermon, didn't he? That's just wrong, isn't it? It's wrong. Something's wrong. Pastor Rodney preached that sermon. And, and, they, and, 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 and another person will walk out of the room and completely unaffected. It happens all the time. One person says, Jesus, if you're God and you're all that, then save yourself and save us. And the other one says, Jesus, when you get into your kingdom, because he believed in Jesus. Are y'all with me? When you get into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, assuredly, are y'all with me? Assuredly, I say to you, today, not tomorrow, today, not next week, today, you will be with me in paradise. Do you know, you notice Jesus didn't say, you know what? I tell you what, first of all, because you got to get baptized in order to be saved, I need you to get down off the cross, go get baptized and then get back up here. No, he didn't say that, did he? You know, some people say, well, you got to be baptized in order to be saved. And if you're not baptized, well, then you're not really, really, really saved. I mean, you're kind of, sort of, but not really. <laughs> you're almost there. You made it 99.99999%. But you got that 1% where if you get in that water, y'all know what I'm talking about. Then you 100% say you got to get baptized. And so they even have a baptismal right behind the black curtain. They just open it up and throw a robe on you, dunk you in the water. Yes. <laughs> they come out of the water. Yes. <laughs> Listen, the Bible does not teach that. And don't get me wrong. Should we be baptized? Absolutely. But does baptism save, or do we at Calvary Chapel believe in baptismal regeneration? There's your theological word. Baptismal regeneration? No. We believe that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you truly trust him and God knows your heart and you truly trust him, Jesus said, assuredly, today you will be with me in paradise. Today means today. Today does not mean tomorrow. 
The day means the day. The day does not mean go down, get baptized, come back, get back up here, and then you'll be saved. The day means today. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Notice I had you underline, we got to move forward. Man, where's the time go? Jesus in the center. Jesus in the center. Thief on the right, thief on the left, on either side, and Jesus in the center. That kind of struck me this weekend. I hear people say this all the time, and don't you? Jesus first. Y'all look at me. Jesus first. My wife second. The kids third. This I have to order my life. Jesus first, wife second, kids third, dog fourth. <laughs> you know, and then people start like getting their life in like a little pecking order kind of thing. Don't get me wrong. I don't see nothing wrong with that. If that's the way you want to live your life, more power to you. Go do you. I feel you. I'm good with that. All right. Although I do not think that is the most biblical approach. I think the most biblical approach to living your life is Jesus in the center. I think Jesus in the center. I think Jesus in the center of everything you do. Come on, clap your hands and say that's right, Pastor. I think Jesus in the center of everything you do. I think Jesus at the center of your life. Jesus at the center of your marriage. Jesus at the center of your relationships. Huh? Jesus at the center of your business. Jesus at the center of your vacation. Jesus at the center of you and your boyfriend or you and your girlfriend, whatever it might be, you better put Jesus at the center. I'm trying to help you. I'm your friend. I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. I'm trying to help you. But listen. You better put Jesus at the center because Jesus ain't at the center. Something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go very wrong. Y'all ain't hearing me. Jesus at the center. That's a better way to live. Jesus at the center of everything. That's a more biblical approach. Well, in verse 19, let's move forward. We're running out of time. They placed a placard on the transom or on the board uh, on that piece of wood that crosses, which read Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us the placard was over his head, which means that Jesus was hung on the crux emissia, on the crux emissia, a traditional cross. The placard... Above Jesus' head was written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Hebrew, the language of religion. Greek, the language of philosophy and commerce. Latin, the language of government and power. All major languages were covered so everyone could read what Pilate wrote. The priest said, don't write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. And the religious leaders didn't like that title. Why? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself why? Why did they not want him to write that? Well, for a couple of two reasons. Number one, they didn't believe that Jesus was the king of the Jews. Number one. Number two, because it was demeaning to to Rome. Because for them to write that was not a good look for Rome. It was a bad look. Not a good look at all. For Rome. It made Rome look like they were so murderous that they would torture, even humiliate the king of the Jews. So they said, don't write that. He said, write this. He said he was the king of the Jews. Sometimes people have the image of Jesus being hanged, 
being uh, crucified high up in the air, don't they? Most matter of fact, most pictures have it where Jesus is crucified kind of high and on a hill far away. There's three crosses. Jesus is in the center and he's kind of up high. I was doing some reading this, this weekend and I found out that uh, sometimes that did happen, but sometimes, get this, people were hung on the cross and they were only two feet from the ground only two feet. History tells us that many were crucified. They were eaten by jackals from the feet up. I was doing some reading. Get this. The shortest crucifixion on record was 32 hours, and the longest crucifixion on record was 13 days. Can you imagine hanging there for 13 days? just hanging there for 13 days and the wild animals at night and the blood dripping. I am trying to help you understand what Jesus not only did for you, but what he went through for you and what he endured. And that's why Hebrews says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured endured the cross. It doesn't say he enjoyed the cross. It said he endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and he endured it because he knew he could see 2,000 years later that on January 23rd, 1982, that Rodney Finch was going to give his life to Jesus. He could see the date that you gave your life to Christ. He could see throughout all the quarters of time the many billions of people who would give their life to Christ, then give their life to him and be saved and be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and make their way into heaven by trusting Jesus and so the, the wrath of God was poured out on his son and Jesus endured it. He endured it. Am I right about that? He endured it. And, 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 and that's why Jesus was in the garden. He's praying, Father, in the garden, he's sweating. Great job. Please hear me. In the garden, he said, Father, if there's any other way for man to be saved, Lord, let's go with that. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Because he knew what was forthcoming. He knew the agony. He knew the pain. He knew the suffering. He knew how brutal and horrible crucifixion was. We are just learning. This was a common event in Rome. Crucifixion and scourging happened every just like people are arrested in our country every single day, people were scourged and crucified every single day. And Jesus understood that. Look at verse 23. After they nailed Jesus to the cross, they took his garments and they tore them in four parts and each to a soldier. And notice the Bible tells us specifically, note the Bible specifically says the coat was without seam. In other words, it was one seam from top to bottom. Now, this is more than a fashion statement about Jesus. I think we can all agree on that. Somebody might ask, well, who cares whether it was woven up, down, inside, out? Well, it's very important because it tells us something of the ministry of Jesus. Did you know, listen, in the Old Testament, the garment of the high priest was made of linen and had to be without seam. Taking notes, write this down. 
without seam speaks of purity. It speaks of purity. The high priest was a liaison between God and man. You know that. The Latin word for priest means bridge builder. The job of the priest was to build a bridge between God and man. Jesus is our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 tells us, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So this robe that Jesus is wearing is like no other robe any priest has ever worn. Do you understand? Y'all listen to me. Do you understand at the hem of this robe, there is cleansing. At the touch of this robe, there's forgiveness. In the sacrifice of this robe, there is new life. In the gift of this robe, there is a promise of heaven. Anybody glad about that? Anybody glad about that? There's a promise of heaven. Because of this seamless robe, because the robe was seamless, it made it harder to separate. Trying to divide it would likely fray it and tear it and make it useless. And the soldiers knew that, so they decided to cast lots and leave it to time and chance to see who would get this robe. So they thought they didn't realize what they were doing was exactly what God prophesied and what God wanted them to do. Because God is in control of man. Man is not in control of man. God is in control of governments. Man is not in control of governments. God is in control of the White House. Not man. He's not in control of no seats in the White House. Don't you realize it is God who is puppeting the affairs of men. We're just down here doing what we think we are doing. We think we're coming up with this stuff. God is orchestrating and moving things and setting stuff up the way he wants because someday he's going to come back and things have to be the way he wants them to be and the way they prophesied in the scripture. It is God who controls man, not man. These men think they're casting lots and leaving it to time and chance to see who gets the robe because Jesus was important in that day. Jesus was famous in that day. Don't get that twisted. Jesus was famous. To have the tunic of Jesus was like a, a find. It was like having Elvis shirt. You know, like, oh man, I got Elvis shirt. Boy, this is valuable. Well, having Jesus' tunic was valuable because he was famous. And that's why they're casting lots for it. And they think they're in control. And then actually they're fulfilling Write it down. Psalm 22, verse 18. Psalm 22, verse 18, it tells us right here exactly what it says. And they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Listen, don't allow yourself to get caught up in the affairs of this world. Christian, I don't care who's in whose seat in the White House. I don't care how many seats the Republicans have and how many receipts the Democrats have. And I don't care who is the president of the United States. And I don't care who's the prime minister in Europe. And I don't care who's the king in Dubai. Because I understand that Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. And I understand. I'm going to let you clap and then I'll keep going. (laughs) 
And I understand that Jesus is the one that's in charge, not man. God is moving men and moving stuff the way he wants to move them because he is God and he is in control. And don't let yourself, I, it's grievous to me. When I hear the church getting all caught up in politics. Christian, you out of place. I'll go on record to say this, and this very sermon will be on the radio. So millions of people will hear Pastor Rodney say this. Christian, you're out of place. You have no business. Don't get me wrong. Exercise your right to vote. Exercise your right to be involved in things. But once it's all said and done, don't divide as Christians over it. Don't, don't bring that into the church. The church is no place for Christians to, to divide. We are all we got. And, and, and I don't know, open your eyes. It ain't that many of us. And the rights that we do have are trying to be taken away from us. You better hold on to your brother and your sister because don't fight over politics. This is not your home. You are a stranger passing through. We're supposed to be we're going to heaven. Heaven is our home. And when we start dividing, we start, you know, well, I do well, I, and, you know, politics and carrying on in the church. Nope, you don't ever, ever, ever. Listen, if you're new here, listen, you'll never have to worry about Pastor Rodney bringing politics to the pulpit. Been 19 years this year, 19 years we've been a church. Next year we celebrate our 20th anniversary. And you know what we preach from here? This book right here. This is all that's important. Amen. It's about this book. It's about this book. Because me personally, I'm concerned myself with it. Because I got my mind on Jesus. I got my mind on my home. This is apartment living for me. The earth is apartment living. You know, like when you live in an apartment, you don't really set stuff up like you really like it because it's not really yours. You know, you don't paint the wall chocolate because, you know what I mean, you'll have to paint it eggshell when you leave, right? You don't put your border at the top, which is absolutely a decorating nightmare, but, <laughs> you know, you don't do all that. Sorry. You don't do all that because it's not your home. It's an apartment. Well, as believers, we are going home. We are pilgrims and strangers passing through uh, Therefore, look at it in verse 24, and I'm coming in for a landing right here. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. The therefore is in reference not to tearing the garment. In other words, listen, because what is spoken cannot be broken, the scriptures already prophesied the soldiers would cast lots. Therefore, they did exactly what the scriptures prophesied they would do. Therefore, so yesterday, I'm listening to this song online called The Scarlet Purple Robe, The Scarlet Purple Robe, and it's a great song, it's a country song, and uh, maybe because I just met some nice friends who like country music this week, and 
uh, I listened to some country music this week. I really liked it. And, you know, I'm a city boy. I'm from Philadelphia, you know what I mean? But I, I, but I heard some Garth Brooks. I liked it. I was like, yeah, okay, all right. I might be able to get with this, okay? I liked it. So then I listened to this one song, um, and it's called, I want to read it to you. And I'm just going to read the words because they're powerful. And it goes like this. It's a story so unkind in the holy book we find. And it tells how Jesus stood alone one day, false accused and there condemned, yet they found no fault with him, the man who wore the scarlet purple robe. In the common judgment hall, he was mocked and scorned by all. And the tears of sorrow fell upon his cheek. Soldiers of the wicked man smote him with their evil hand, the man who wore the scarlet purple robe. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.